Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Say Who Say Pod. He's Danny O'Neill. I'm Christian Capel. Uh, Notre Dame has an opening at offensive coordinator. Danny, does that? Oh, does, really? Does that frighten you at all? No, I, <laughs> I, I, I believe like Ryan Grubb's already gone to the well twice. <laughs> like he can't go a third time. <laughs> You're not allowed. Like actually, somebody I think it was Mitch Levy was asking me. It was like, what do you think Washington did for for Ryan? grub after the Alabama thing I was like well honestly I don't think they did anything because he'd already had his turn at the trough like his little ticket now serving Ryan Grubb had already coming up like when you when you go back you don't get to ask for more after that you get one ask per year see I'm I am certain that he could have and that they would have given it to him like if it was if the Mm -hmm. Alabama thing was a cash grab and he came back to them and was like uh I want to stay but you know they're offering me this or like I think I can get this can we bump it to you know 2.2 2.2 can we bump it to 2.25 i'm nearly certain they would have um but from what i have been told no there there was no there was no new money involved it wasn't uh it wasn't a, a cash play so yeah he, he'll he'll just he'll just sit on two million dollars though i did I, I i do mention the the notre dame thing kind of in jest but i was reading uh football scoops assessment of their opening now that tommy reese has moved on to alabama and they mentioned Ryan Grubb as one of the one of the coaches that Notre Dame would vet. Now, <laughs> with, <laughs> with the acknowledgement that, like, oh, but he's probably you know he's probably going to be pretty hard to get out of there at this point. But so funny, like, isn't the, the college job rumor mill is hilarious? And the NFL is pretty much the same. Once a guy gets his name injected into it, in a couple of them, like, henceforth. Any high-profile offensive coordinator gig that that comes open, Ryan Grubb is going to get mentioned as a potential fit for, including some sort of decidedly mid-programs who who fancy themselves like major programs. You're gonna you're gonna see he will hence he's 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 firmly ensconced now as a rising offensive coordinator. Yeah, and you know if if you're if you're a head coach at a high-profile program with an opening. Do you think, oh, well, he, you know, he went to Alabama and and didn't take it, so let's not bother? Or do you think, well, they all kind of thought it was settled out in Seattle, and then he still took the interview, and he still went to Tuscaloosa, so you know, who, maybe it's worth a shot. See, you're giving them way more credit because this is what I think they think to themselves: Hey, we need somebody to fix our offense. How about that guy Saban talked to? He's got to be pretty good. Yeah, what was his name? Ron Grubb? No, Ryan Grubb. Get him on the phone and see if he's interested in interviewing. <laughs> uh, George's offensive coordinator situation is also unsettled. Hey, did you talk to this guy up at Washington? <laughs> he talked to Saban, and Saban is one of the guys we're competing with. Uh, I, I think I think Ryan Grubb will still be around. <laughs> don't, don't think, I, I think at this point it's like, okay. You know, you did the, the 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 Alabama thing was the Alabama thing, and you kind of made your decision to stay. You know, but it is it just it is funny to see like yeah, because you're right. Until like this hiring cycle is like finally officially closed, everyone's got their coordinator. Um, any job that's seen as like a good job, he's a you know he's he's in that he's in that tier now. The name is just you know you you can there, there's a shortcut for it on the on the laptop at this point. Ryan Grubb, pop him in there. He's a, he's a candidate. Um, since we're on the subject and we made it clear, this was not a cash grab by Ryan. Uh, we do have our own cash grab to perpetrate this episode of say who say pod is brought to you 
by the Aaron Co. Goosehead Insurance Agency. Aaron, whom I knew way back when, when he was working at the Everett Herald and I was covering high school sports for the Seattle Times, uh, he, he finds the best rates among his 20 A-rated major insurance carriers and makes sure your Washington home and autos are protected. Remember, ducks bad, goose good. Aaron Co. Goosehead, call or text 425-358-5684, or you can email Aaron at Aaron.co, that's A-A-R-O-N dot C-O-E at Goosehead.com. Go dogs. I've got, uh, I've got the new Cadillac parked outside. From uh, from the ad money that's rolled in so far. That's right. Thank you. We're Aaron. shameless. If you got some interest, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter. But thank you very much, Aaron. We appreciate your support. He also uh, checked in that he really enjoyed our dissection of White Boy Wednesday, uh, the Caleb McGarry <laughs> situation. First of all, down in, down in Atlanta. <laughs> First of all, before we go any further, it was White Boy Wednesday. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> <laughs> the clarification coming from Kevin King is like, this is all wrong. It was White Boy Wednesday. No, 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 no. <laughs> get some facts and come back and see me. Uh, should we get to the gimmick? I do like the gimmick. I spent uh, a significant chunk of time researching it this morning. I, as did I. Um, I So Seth Emerson, who's our, our great Georgia writer, at the athletic, he recently did a story uh, putting together the, the all Kirby Smart team at Georgia. And while Chris Peterson uh, was not as successful at, at Washington as Kirby Smart has been at Georgia, obviously, he was there six years. He, he coached a number of all conference performers and NFL draft picks, and obviously went to three New Year's Six games. It was a a, a pleasant era, mostly in, in in Husky football history. And I thought, you know what? Why don't we draft the all Chris Peterson teams? So. This is going to be um, a draft of players who played for Chris Peterson at Washington from 2014 to 19. The twist here, and each of us is going to draft 11, an 11 player offense and an 11 player defense, so 44 picks overall. The twist here is that the player only needed to have played for Chris Peterson, but for the purposes of this draft, you're drafting the very best college version of that player. So. For example, uh, a true freshman in 2019 who played as a true freshman in Chris Peterson's last season but went on to have better seasons after that, you're drafting the better season version of that player. So that should expand the pool a little bit. We're going to run into an issue, though, right? What's that? We've got to have multiple quarterbacks if we're each drafting a team. Oh, there's, uh, there, are, there are more options than you think. Okay. But see, whoever drafts the first quarterback, the next person doesn't you know, can wait till their last pick. That's true, but there's going to be a pretty big gap, right, between that first quarterback and the next one? Well, remember, they only need to have played for Chris Peterson, and you get the very best college version of Even if it's at another player. school? I would, I would say yeah. I would say yeah. <laughs> Okay, we've ironed out the wrinkle. That was it, because that's what I thought was going to be. I was considering making Jake Browning my first overall pick, and I think that would be a, a perfectly adequate pick. No, um, no, not not if not not if not if you can count the kid that 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 ended up playing somewhere else. So let's settle on the parameters positionally. Uh, offensively, you must draft one quarterback. You must mm-hmm. draft one running back. 
mm-hmm. you must draft five offensive linemen. And then does one of those offensive linemen have to be a center? I'm going to say uh, it has to be someone who played at least one game at center. Okay. <laughs> and then we'll 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 allow for some leeway on the guards and tackles. Yes. If it's a guy who mostly played left tackle, he could play right tackle for this. You know, for your team. Um, and then for the skill positions outside of running back, so that leaves four spots for receivers and tight ends. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say you must draft at least two receivers but you can have any combination uh, beyond that. So you can have two receivers and two tight ends. You can have three receivers and one tight end. You could draft four receivers if you want. So the only okay. the only requirement for the receiver tight end spot is that at least two of those four must be receivers. That, that sounds perfectly fair to me. Uh, how, how about defense? Defensively, let's... Uh, Let's generally try to adhere to the scheme they ran of two interior D linemen, two edge rushers, two linebackers, and and five DBs. I you know I think we'll allow for some some flexibility as far as who's playing corner and who's playing nickel. You know, they, they move guys around enough, and you know that position in particular was so successful for them. I don't think we're going to have any problems there. But like, you know, if, if if you're trying to draft someone to play nickel who never played it. It'd be, you know, we, we, we might raise an objection, but I, I think we can, uh, I think we can find a, an amicable solution for, for that. But I'm just, let's say defensively, it has to be like a reasonably playable 11. Okay. The, the clarifying question. Somebody like Howley Kakaha, does he count as an edge rusher? Yeah. He, okay. he was, so there, they called them outside linebackers. Right. But, but he that, was, li- he was always listed as an outside linebacker. Right. So that's, but that's the edge we're talking about, right? Like, yeah. Th- okay. Cause I, I was, I just, I just wanted to clarify there. Cause the, the two D, the, the two interior linemen and the two edges, a lot of the edges are OLBs. And if you wanted to, you know, if you wanted to draft an interior lineman who, who only ever, mostly played on the interior, but you wanted to put him at like a D and edge spot, like we can, we okay. can be a little flexible that way. Okay. Okay. All right. I think we're, I, I think we're ready to go. So, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Siri here to flip a coin. <laughs> Does she do that? Oh yeah. Really? You want to here? You you can you call it before I do. Uh, I'm calling tails because tails never fails. Siri, flip a coin. It is heads. There you go. Uh, do you want to pick first or do you want to defer? <laughs> Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. You want to pick first. I'm going to pick first. Um, I see like three different options here. Mm-hmm. And like four different options that would make sense. I'm going to take Miles Gaskin. That's a good pick. Uh, far and away, the the best running back in the Chris Peterson era, one of the best in school history. He left as the all-time leading rusher, all-time leading touchdown scorer. Four-year starter, durable. You could give it to him 25 times a game. He could catch the ball. Um the, the most reliable offensive player of the Chris Peterson era, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna snag Gaskin number one. It's a really really good pick. Number two, I'm going Shaq Thompson. That's a, also a good pick. Middle linebacker, true middle linebacker, a guy who decided that he was uh, at the expense of people who wanted him to run the ball because his pro future he wanted to be at linebacker. And I want to point out how smart that was. Like that's probably a twenty. That's probably a $20 million decision he made. Uh, he signed a big contract in Carolina. Was an incredibly explosive athlete. Great player. Um, and 
middle linebacker, which is of of all of the different. There are some good ones. It's thin. It, it's 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 one of the thinner positions as opposed to where I, I think like Vita Vea. I think Vita Vea was a more dominant college player than Shaq Thompson. But you start looking at all of the interior defensive linemen, and as good as Vita Vea was, like the drop-off between he and the number four in DL is not nearly as big as the drop-off between Shaq Thompson and the number four middle linebacker. Is Shaq Thompson the second best running back of the Chris Peterson era? <laughs> That's not even a that's not a knock. Savon Achman had a thousand yard season. Levon Coleman was really good as a compliment to Miles Gaskin, but Shaq Thompson was a legitimately very good college running back when he when they gave him the ball. Isn't it wild to watch him run and then to think? I mean, just the the baffling part of of it to me is twenty years ago how important running back was perceived in the NFL with Emmitt Smith and guys like that. And you're like, 20 years later, a guy would be like, do not get me near the running back position because it'll cost me career earnings and being right about it. Yeah. It's that that's probably the single biggest change in positional value in football over the over this generation. I know he was a, an All-American and won the Paul Horning Award, so it's not like it was overlooked. But his 2014 season is still it's got to be one of the best in school history just all around. I mean, to think about that he had 100-yard rushing games where he also still played some defense. That's, I mean, that's ridiculous. Nobody does that. Yeah, he's a really fun player. Um, he's a really, really fun player to watch and to cheer for. So you mentioned him. Um, he, he was one player who was in consideration for me for the number one spot just for his, his game-changing, game-wrecking ability. I'm going to take Vita Vea with my second pick. Um, you're right, there's a... There's about four or five interior defensive linemen who uh, would will fill out these rosters who were really good players. Um, I just think that you think about the fact he won Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year in 2017 without like having a statistically dominant year, and it's because Pac-12 coaches knew the the influence he had just by being on the field and the blocks that he occupied and the plays that he allowed other guys to make the pressure that he could put on the, on the pocket um, just single-handedly by himself. Uh, he, he was, he was the most valuable player on that team. And uh, he's gone on to, to prove in the NFL, you know, just, just why he got all the accolades he did, why he was a first round pick and everything. So uh, I just think more than all, but a, a handful of players in the Chris Peterson era, he had the ability to, to single-handedly change a game. That, Defensive tackle is one of the most, and this is probably primarily from the pro perspective, it's one of the most interesting positions because typically it's it's relatively undervalued in which GMs will think, like, I can get a guy for like a, a sort of a, a mid-tier, really good player for 5 or $6 million a year. And, and then when you get a dominant dude, and Vita Vea is a dominant dude, how incredibly valuable and how long their careers are. Watching him play in the NFL, there are times it looks like it did when he played at Washington. It's remarkable, like how big and relatively agile that dude is, and the fact that it still looks like his helmet is too small for him. It's <laughs> the, still, I, I fear that it is un- uncomfortable on his dome piece because of how large that man is. They're very different players, but I remember you know, people who watched the Huskies when Steve Hentman played for them would talk about how. Here, here you are just watching this one guy 
you find yourself just watching Steve Entman because he was so dominant. And Vita Vea is like the one defensive guy I can think of who had games like that, where like the you know Josh Rosen and UCLA you know, that game, the the Apple Cup that year, where on like three consecutive snaps up against their own goal line, he's he's all over Luke Falk, and um, he just had games where it was like every snap you were watching, you were watching Vita Vea. So I uh, I had him high on my big board here. Uh, for a long time, I advocated for the idea that I wanted to see Vita Vea record a tackle ball by picking up the guy who was supposed to block him and throwing him like like just heaving <laughs> he him. probably could yeah into the guy that he was trying to tackle like sort of like as if he just threw a boulder onto the guy and the guy was like oh i can't go anywhere because he threw me and then you'd be down because even though it was your teammate it's you, you don't have to be touched down in college as soon as your your knee hits yeah he probably was capable of doing that who you got i'm going john ross yeah that's a good pick this is the height of his college career, right? Like that we get you get his best, his most explosive season. And I would say that overall, like between college and pros, like John Ross has had a weird career. Like they tried to move him like at one point Chris Peterson played him at cornerback. And then he was drafted number nine overall into the NFL. And at one point the Bengals were messing around with playing him at quarter cornerback, which is really strange. But that 2016 season. That he was such a devastating player. That's that's one of the that's one of the best seasons I've ever seen from a Husky wide receiver. Like that's on par with with the year that Reggie Williams had, where it was Reggie, how good are you? I, God, I I will the most memorable play for him that season in 2016 is the it was in the game they lost uh, to USC, where he just shook Adoree Jackson, who's a really good corner at the line of scrimmage, like just just froze him. And like just this quick little shift in his ankles, and then just what? See you later. He was gone. Um, and I think again, positional disparity. Like the they've had some really good wide receivers, but John Ross to me pretty clearly is the best wide receiver from that era. Uh, I gave him a third place Heisman vote that year, um, and it, you you know it was kind of the same deal this year. I gave Penix a third place vote, and you always fight the like well. He plays for the team I cover, so there's familiarity bias because I've seen every single snap he's played all season, and I can't say that for any of these other guys. But you know, I just thought for a playoff team, he was their best player. He was he was the best player on the field. Um, probably every snap he played that year at, at, at receiver, he I believe returned a kickoff for a touchdown that year. Also, um, he and, you know you heard other guys like Dante Pettis talk about how much he opened up the offense and. I think he helped open up the running game too, and and they were really explosive and and put up so many points, and it just seemed like they had so many different guys contributing. And I think John Ross was a a big part of that. So uh, the numbers that he put up, the impact he had for a team that made the playoff, um, I, I remember that there was another receiver who was a finalist, I think, and I just remember kind of comparing him to other receivers across the country and thinking like, you know, this guy this guy's probably a little bit underrated just in terms of what he brought and what he meant to that offense. So. Yeah, good pick. And also, I mean, you're you're hitting it. Uh, you're going strategic here because you're you're using your early picks on <laughs> on the positions where there's mm, not a ton of like all conference depth. So that's well, you're, well, I, I I nod to your strategy. That's it's wise. We'll see how it plays out. Before you get to your next pick, um, can you mentioned Steve Entman? Uh, Steve Entman was the subject of one of my favorite leads that's ever been written. Can, would it be okay if I read it to you? Oh yeah. So this is from Sports Illustrated 1991. 
Um, it wasn't a cover story, but it was a story in there by Richard Hoffer, who's excellent, excellent writer. When Washington defensive tackle Steve Entman wants to relax, he goes hunting and fishing. Not hunting or fishing. Not hunting sometimes and fishing others. He likes to go hunting and fishing. When he is done bucking hay or working the cattle, he'll strap on his full foe and visit one of the many ponds on or around his family's 2,000-acre farm in eastern Washington. There is no finer recreation than this, he says. Quote, you know how those carps sometimes come to the surface to see what's going on? End quote. Near the town of Cheney, where curiosity does indeed kill the carp. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote this? Richard Hoffer. <laughs> That's good. That's he did really a lot good. of stuff. On, but, oh God, you, <laughs> he wrote about him shooting fish. <laughs> Strapping on a 4-4 and going and killing fish. Uh, I'm going to try to draft a guy at some point here who is uh, who is also aimed his scope at uh, a number of wildlife throughout his life. <laughs> All right, who's your pick? Uh, I I feel like I have to go. I need to grab a receiver before it's too late. I'm going to take Dante Pettis. That's a good one. You get him his kick returner too, right? Yeah, you probably wouldn't have convinced me I'd take him that early, but kind of reassessing things. And <laughs> if you don't take him, you're you're left with – I mean, there's, there are some, maybe some better options than at first glance. But as I was putting my board together here, I was like, okay, you can – we got got some 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 skill to work with here, but yeah, I mean, he was uh, clearly the second best receiver of the Peterson era. Great compliment to Ross. Caught fifteen touchdown passes his his uh, junior year in twenty sixteen, and then oh by the way, returned more punts for touchdowns than anybody in college football history. So that's a an added little bonus there. It's pretty good. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Caleb McGarry. There you go, the <laughs> White Boy Wednesday. Um, I. I think Caleb. I think Caleb had the highest peak. Um, there, there's some really good offensive linemen that are, that are that are that are played for UW over this time, but I I really like Caleb. Um, and I thought kind of he's got some versatility, and and I I feel of all the guys that have been there in that time, I th- I think Caleb's the top one. Yeah, I mean he was he was a first round pick, mm-hmm. you know, which I I was a little just tiny bit surprised by. Um, I knew he'd kind of be in that in that realm. Uh, certainly would be off the board by day two, but yeah, he uh, he was a, st- a really steady presence for them. Recruited as a defensive lineman, yeah, uh, which you kind of forget. He he played D line as a red shirt because they they kind of let him pick, and that was what he wanted to do. But then after that, I think they were like, "Look, man, you can you know you can be a stud if you just switch to to offensive line," and and he did, and you know he was a four year starter. Um, yeah, a, a centerpiece of of kind of the the come up when you think about who is part of that core foundation of of setting the standard, so to speak. Um, he was a he was a big part of it. How do you uh, think about his career compared to Trey Adams, though? Because like you can make a really strong argument that Trey Adams was the better college player. Yeah, I mean, he was. He, I think he was the better prospect, at least at what the coaching staff thought, and he played as a true freshman. Yes. You started at left tackle as a true freshman. Yes. So, I mean, that was real, like, you know, you don't, uh, you don't just throw a guy out there uh, who's, uh, who's not going to be somebody at a spot like that as a freshman. Um, he, he dealt with so many more injuries. I know. It's, and, one of the, it's one of the huge X factors of how do you deal with that because his, his trajectory, and, sur- and I would say like almost his pro prospects, you can't even factor in because it was such a different – it was so medically dependent, not about like kind of the body work that he put together in college. Yeah, and as with a lot of 
a lot of players, it wasn't just the time he missed due to injury. He played hurt a lot too. Yes. You know, when he came back um, late in the 2018 season, and Jared Hilbers, uh, who I think was a really underrated player starting in his place, um, he had been playing ahead of him. I think they wanted to kind of work Trey back in slowly, but Hilbers got hurt in the Apple Cup, and Trey Adams wound up having to play like most of that game. I, I, I bet he was. I bet he was in pain. I mean, he was nowhere near 100. percent He was still working back, but like he was that kind of guy who was still going to go out there and and you know if there was any any chance he could give you anything, he was going to. So um, he definitely grinded through a lot. It would have been interesting to see how things might have been different for him if if not for the for the ACL and then also the the back injury the next year. Yeah. Okay. Who's your next pick? I uh, I'm going to take Buda Baker. Um, Good choice. I think in school history. It's the the top tier of safeties is two guys. It's Buda Lawyer. Baker and Lawyer Malloy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, they've had some other really good players, like Shane Palcoa, obviously, mm-hmm. was a fan favorite and really good. And, um, you know, a number of guys through the 80s and 90s. But uh, darn near first round pick. He's one of the top safeties in the NFL, still a guy who just played. He played with a different speed. I mean, Chris Peterson would talk about how he didn't he didn't know anything other than one hundred and ten percent on every you know could have been the fourth quarter of a, a top ten matchup on the road or it, you know could have been day two of spring ball. He he brought the same mentality, the same attitude, the same work ethic to every every situation. And like I did, you see the the hard knocks clip of of him in the locker room? Yes, I did. Yeah, that. To me, that like that's the guy he is. Like every second of every day, football wise, he he all he knows is winning, and he wants it so bad. Like when the part where he said like it like the losing hurts my heart. Like I, I think a lot of guys would say that. I one hundred percent believe that that is like a completely genuine sentiment coming from him. He's just that kind of guy, and then he's also extremely talented. You know, just really good safety. Hard hitter. He was really fast. A um, lot of things at that position that are really, really hard to find in, in one guy. One of my favorite clips from the NFL is they had Mike Tomlin mic'd up in a game the Steelers were playing the Cardinals and basically put together a whole segment of just Mike Tomlin shouting at his own players about how good Buda Baker was. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's true. Like, you can find it on YouTube. It's, it's hilarious because it's not... It's not motivational. Like, you can tell Tomlin loves the way Buda Baker plays. He's like, any of you guys going to play as good as this guy out there? You watch what he's doing? He's incredible. <laughs> like, it's really... And and knowing Tomlin is not someone who's prone to exaggeration or overstatement. Um, yeah, I, I, that's a, I love Buda Baker. I will note that uh, each draft pick so far, or e- each of our picks so far was, a, was an NFL draft pick. Oh, yeah? Are we deferring too much? No, we're not because the number one overall pick was a seventh round pick. So <laughs> that's a fair point. That's a very, very fair point. Um, I'm going to go Joe Tryon okay. and sticking with a little bit of the sort of NFL pedigree. But Joe's college career is a little complicated because he doesn't he doesn't play in the COVID year. Um, and I think that would have been very, very different. Edge rushers, one of the most valuable, most difficult things to find in football and and I thought I thought Joe I thought Joe was he he epitomizes the sort of things that you want in that position so I'm going Joe Tryon or Joe Tryon Shoyinka 
if we want to we, we, we want to spell the whole thing out proper. Yes, uh, it's kind of weird to think Chris Peterson's the only head coach he ever played for mm-hmm. because you th- maybe it's I'm, I'm you know my own addled brain here, but I, I I think of him as being a more modern player than that for Washington. But yeah, I mean the fact he opted out in 2020 um, would have been interested to see with a full season. You know, because he'd committed to coming back. He he only opted out because it was the COVID year, similar to Levi Onzerike. Um, Would have been interesting to see what, what kind of numbers he could have put up. And talk about a guy, though, who uh, really took advantage of the downtime. Like, mm-hmm. he showed up at Pro Day. I think Dane Brugler, who's our, our NFL draft expert, he, he wrote in his draft guide that he looked like an action figure. And, like, that was the best way to put it. Like, he he clearly had had focused on you know, toning up and, and getting himself in his best shape possible for the draft. And yeah, became a first, a first round pick, you know, I had eight sacks, eight, either eight or eight and a half sacks his sophomore year. I think five or six of those were against Wazoo and Oregon state. He had the huge game against Oregon state. You know, he kind of saw his potential flash, but yeah, somebody who um, clearly his, his, his best football was, was going to come in, in the NFL. He, he just didn't, it wasn't because of COVID and the circumstances you mentioned, never really got an opportunity to like be that big time number one stud pass rusher in college, but Hey, it, it didn't hurt his draft stock. Yeah, he was his and put in incredible work and the pros got a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. So, uh, he, he played, he played things, uh, he played things pretty well there in 2020. Yeah. The decisions he made, they don't, hold any hard feelings for someone prioritizing their own future and what's in their best interest. Cause he clearly, he clearly played that well. Um, in the same vein, I'm, I'm going to go with Hauliki Kaha, uh-huh. uh, all American school record setter for, for single season sacks. One of, uh, one of four defensive players drafted in the top, whatever 45 or 50, whatever it was from that 2014 team. Um, yeah, dominant edge rusher is difficult to come by. There weren't a ton in the Chris Peterson area. I mean, this was one position where they kind of piecemealed it together and there were some guys who flashed from time to time and some injuries thinned them out a little bit, but uh, year one there under that new scheme with, with how Leaky Kaha as a, as a fifth year senior and then becoming a second round pick. Um, it, it didn't get a lot better than that. Can I be very, very honest in my reaction after my, f- the first year of Chris Peterson, um, I had a, I had a very clear worry that this was going to be another example of Boise state coach going to a higher conference and having it not pan out as expected or as hoped and kind of looking at dirt cutter and Dan Hawkins as examples, because I looked at it and it was like, they had a defense with four of the, they had four players chosen among the first hundred selections in the, in the NFL draft that year. Like all, none of those guys Peterson recruited and they didn't win a single game that they, that that they weren't expected to win. Like they did. There were some, there was a goofy loss to Stanford where there were some questions about a fake punt that was called. But in general, like I would say that he had a team with four picks four of the first hundred choices, a defense loaded like that. And he's sort of this offensive minded head coach and they couldn't win a single game that they weren't expected. I won't say they underachieved because there were some real issues on, on, on the offense, but they certainly didn't overachieve despite having that kind of talent on defense. Like I was, I was decidedly suspicious about Peterson after that year. Yeah. They were super explosive defensively. 
mm-hmm. but they didn't have that like consistent fundamental base where you know they're going to go out and hold a really good offense to 17 points or something like that like Oregon put 45 on them they gave up 40 plus to UCLA like it wasn't like a it wasn't like a a badass defense where you just knew like hey you're not going to be able to run on these guys you're you know, they're going to be shut down in the secondary like it was a it was it was kind of a weird year where they just they had all this star power they had a ton of sacks ton of defensive touchdowns um, but yeah, not a. I think they still were like pretty. They were know, decent, top they thirty were... or so, like scoring defense. It's not like they gave up a ton of points, but yeah, they had they still had a couple games where it was like, okay, there's some there's some holes here. Yeah, and and then I can remember the moment it shifted, like really, a watching watching Jake Browning against Boise State in the opener the next year. Like I, I thought he played really well, given it was a true freshman, and then when they beat USC. I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm completely sold. Like this team is less talented than last year's team, but they clearly have guys sort of in position. Like they know what they're doing. Like they, they could build. If, if I felt that la- the previous year's defense had sort of not amounted to the sum of its parts, that there were so many good players and they weren't as good as you'd expect given that talent level, like the 2015 team was not the exact opposite but you're like oh i really see how he wants this team to play who you got at 10 this is going to be a little bit of a personal bias i don't think this positional value none of that this is purely like how much i loved watching the dude play elijah molden okay i was wondering if he was i was wondering if he because he if you look at the the dbs available he's kind of on the fringe a little bit do you like is, is he your nickel Yes, okay. he's he's 100% my nickel. I think he's the the best nickel. I mean, I like Miles Bryant too. Like I'm not going to but this is this is rooted in how much I liked watching how that dude played and how how aggressive he was. He's a nickel corner that doesn't cost you anything in run defense. Like he was so unafraid to mix it up. I love I, and I've continued to love how he plays in the pros. Uh this is this is a, an enjoyment of style. Like <laughs> I don't. I don't want to have a team where I don't have Elijah Molden on it. I feel like strategy wise, it's it's a game of chicken here for who's going to take this guy. So I'm I'm going to go ahead and grab Jake Browning. Okay. With my 11th pick, realistically, he should have gone higher. Um, but you know, because because of the the two man dynamic here and the way we've set up the rules, it it makes sense that he fell a little bit. But uh, you know, he I I think underappreciated by some. I do. I, I feel like. If there's one thing I kind of regret about the way I covered that portion of Husky football, it was probably like giving too much credence to the noise about Jake Browning and allowing too much of the narrative, quote unquote, on Browning to be driven by, oh, he's he's really dealt with a ton of criticism. Because I think the criticism was loud, but I think like the vast majority of the fan base still had a very favorable opinion of him. Maybe not like in the moment after he ran backwards and threw an interception or whatever, but um, to, you know you don't need to zoom out very far to understand like he was a very 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 important piece of everything they accomplished. It's really hard to have an accurate vision of a quarterback when his last season isn't his best season, and and I I think I think that would be I think that's true for more than Jake Browning. I think that's true for Brock Heward too. I think Brock Heward's remembered differently if he he had ended up leaving kind of after what was his 
it was his yeah because he he left he could have left as a, after his sophomore season his third year and he ended up staying and playing his junior season after all those guys had left like after they'd lost Kroots and, and a number of different and it it changes the way and that's that's kind of that's that's pretty much how i feel about jake because jake his body of work is incredible he was asked to do something that I think is exceptionally hard, which is come in and start as a true freshman. Like he, he started his first game before classes started. Like, that's wild. And he had an incredible sophomore year that made everybody think that, okay, this is the first stepping stone. And he didn't take that next step to become what Deshaun Watson was. But not many guys ever do. And you're not going to get... If you're going to count up the best Husky quarterbacks sort of in modern era post-World War II football, like you're not going to get to 10 before you list Jake Browning. And that's a school with an awful lot of incredible quarterback history. He's a really, really good player. He was beat the hell up too. That's true as well. Now, like you talk about guys who played hurt. Yeah, he got pounded and continued to play. And I would say that that's one unanswered question. Did something happen to his arm? Was his arm ever the same? After his sophomore year, as it was about midway point of that season, I think something pretty clearly happened, and it wouldn't surprise me if there was an injury and he never came back to that full strength that he had that year. Well, he's my guy. There you go. You got Jake Browning. I'm going to take Taylor Rapp. That's a good pick. I love Taylor Rapp. The the clear number two safety uh, of the Chris Peterson era. Yeah. Somebody with also a Seahome kid. Yeah, that's right. Bellingham. Um, you could have played him at nickel too. He he played nickel as a true freshman on that 2016 defense. Next guy for you. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and corner the market on the defensive interior here and take Danny Shelton. Okay. Uh, probably the biggest the biggest gap between. NFL draft position and draft position vis-a-vis this this exercise here. Is he a third round pick? No, he was a first round pick. He was the number oh, twelve really? overall, I believe. No kidding. Yeah, I uh, don't think he was that kind of guy after his junior year, but had just an absolutely monster senior season in, in that first year under Chris Peterson. I'm gonna for a nose tackle too. I'm gonna I'm gonna I gotta look up his his numbers here because it was kind of ridiculous. Um, he had 93 tackles as a nose tackle, <laughs> 16 and a half tackles for loss and nine sacks and That's five wild. fumble recoveries. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's going to run on you. No. See, that's the thing, man. We're going to, you know, we'll see. We'll see how the offense shakes out. I like, uh, I like where I'm at so far, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like how we're getting after the passer and I like how we're, we're stacking up against the run with this group of guys. Well, I'm going to make it a little bit harder if anybody gets past the line because I'm taking Ben Burkirvin. So you've got... Um, I've got Shaq Thompson and Ben Burkirvin. You've got LB1 I'm going to have two guys that are two. I, I, I've got... They, they are going to run sideline to sideline. Like, we've got one guy that runs faster than any other linebacker that you're going to see and another guy with the best field sense of, of any Husky player I can remember. So I'm feeling good about my middle linebackers right now. So I'm I'm perfectly happy with the linebackers you've left me uh and i don't have to draft it i don't have to draft them till my last two picks if i don't want to so i'm gonna i'm gonna sit on those that's gonna be the the same approach that i take with defensive tackle although <laughs> yeah exactly you're in the exact same position 
Uh, I'm taking Nick Harris. It's uh, isn't it my pick? Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't you? Yes, it is your pick. I was I was thinking about I took Nick ben Harris. For <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually going to take Nick Harris. <laughs> I was like, did he? Did I? Did I say that out loud? Is that me talking? Did he read my mind? <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, two-time first-team All-Pac-12. One of the yeah, he was a he was what I call a, a media day guy, right? He was a guy who spoke for the program. The, any media opportunity, they put him out. He was a leader, a captain, all those things. And I also just I like I like him because uh, nobody wanted him out of high school. He played on the same high school team as Luke Wattenberg, and he was the big recruit. And coaches would come see Harris and be like, "Eh, he's too short," and even Washington offered him late, but he uh, that guy started at guard as a true freshman against Alabama in the college football playoff. Like that's the thing; it's not like oh nobody wanted him out of high school because he was undersized, but he just he scrapped and clawed, and you know by his fourth year, junior year, he really made something. Like no, he was a player for them right away as a true freshman offensive lineman who nobody else recruited, which you just you never ever see. So uh, also just a really good player. Um, Good center. You could play him at guard too. He'll play center on this team. But uh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna snag him. And it's it's only partially because you wanted him to. <laughs> <laughs> Serves me right for getting overly anxious. Uh I love I love centers. Like I, I think I think center is an underappreciated position in terms of sort of the the sense that they need to have for the game. And and I think Nick Nick's not only how his teammates regarded him, um, at, at UW, but what you've seen, he means at, at another level. Like every every football, every good football team has a player like Nick Harris. Like they they, they do. Every every one of them has it, and and he's that guy. Uh, I'm going to stay on the offensive line. I'll take Jackson Kirkland. Um, I I think I think the body of his work uh, at in college. I'm not sure how high he's going to get drafted, but the number of positions he played, how tough he was, and how early he played. Um, I thought I thought. All of those things. I, I love watching Jackson Kirkland play. That's a good pick. Um, and, you know, exercising our, our our tweak of the rules here where, you know, we're taking the guy at his very best. He did start for two seasons uh, under Chris Peterson, mm-hmm. both at, at left guard. Um, so it's not like uh, not like he doesn't have any body of work there. And you could see when he was young, you know, that he kind of – he had the traits that you're looking for. Um, a, a kind of a – an all time like last year for him where like it was literally this time last year where he's not even sure, you know, if he's going to be able to, to play college football again. And even the thought of playing college football again is a disappointment because he'd entered the draft and was thinking he was going to be in the NFL and had to have the surgery and there's a coaching change and um, hard to see how it could have worked out any better for him this year. It was really cool to see him be able to go out with a season like that, especially after just I felt bad for everybody that's played through the past two years at UW b- between the COVID year and then and then everything going sideways with Jimmy Lake in in twenty in twenty twenty one. Um, it's been really cool to see everybody like that that year for those players. I think has to have been amazing. I'm uh I'm gonna go with uh, with Byron Murphy. Ooh, if I only because I I know how much you like Byron Murphy and I want to keep him from you. <laughs> We can argue again about whether or not he should have played as a true freshman. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of corners who had their 
who had their prime under Chris Peterson, I don't think they had one better than Byron Murphy. Really physical player. And, I mean, he chalk up a Pac-12 championship game to him. I mean, that, that, the interception that he has that he took off the shoe tops against Utah. Yeah. Game-changing play. And another pick in that game. Mm-hmm. And he almost beat uh, Britton Covey into the retirement home. He played 20 games at Washington, um, but he packed a, a number of, of highlight reel plays into those 20 games. Why do you only play 20 games? Well, he redshirted, and then he... Boo! Why did he redshirt? That was a terrible decision! <laughs> Zero additional wins if he plays <laughs> as a true freshman. Uh, I've got a potential funny pick here. Okay. How do we feel about Marcus Peters? <laughs> See... <laughs> Marcus Peters is absolutely one of the four best cornerbacks to play for Chris Peterson. There's just no question about it. But I I feel like I included him once on some sort of all Chris Peterson remembrance. And people were like, I'm like, dude, he was really good. Like, was incredible. I don't care that they kicked him off the team. They booted him. (laughs) I remember telling people, like, someone was like, they're explaining like this just shows you that Chris Peterson is too too strict and his sort of program's not going to work. And I was like, you know nothing about Chris Peterson because dude, he kept Titus Young at, at Boise State. Like he he was able to manage Titus Young at Boise State among other players. So if he booted Marcus Peters, it's because he really couldn't reach Marcus Peters. I'm like, I'm not going to put that on Chris Peterson. Uh, it's a good pick. I like that pick. So I'm taking Marcus Peters because I love Marcus Peters. He was really good. He was, he's a really good player. Um, I'm a, I'm gonna, I'm gonna undermine your offensive line abilities here. Uh Oh, and I'm going to take Coleman Shelton. (laughs) Coleman Shelton was a first team all conference center who also played every other position on the offensive line. Um, I think if you talk to like, if you talk to people either who played for those teams, coaches on those teams, they all would have pointed at uh, at Coleman Shelton as like one of the most underrated players they had. Even though he he did end up being an all conference guy, uh, he was so versatile. He he was kind of the, that calming presence on the O line. Really good offensive lineman who maybe didn't get the recognition that some other guys got, and you know, he's still playing in the NFL. So. And, and 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 that thins the center pool for you. So haha. It certainly does. Uh that is gonna make it more challenging. Uh I will I will persevere. I now feel that unless you're gonna have an offensive line that includes all guys who at one point played center, <laughs> that I'm gonna be able to 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 veer away from from that part. Um we get into some interesting sort of questions now. I'm gonna go wide receiver, Case and Williams. Uh, so that's a really good pick. Um, exercising uh, our again our, our technicality here. I get him as a sophomore year, right? Whatever year you want, whatever you yeah, yeah. whatever year you think he was best. I, I he played for he played for Chris Peterson, but I'm taking Sark era. <laughs> he was one that Jason Williams. I I had him on my board. I would not have had him on my board if I hadn't reviewed the rosters. I would have forgotten that he played for Chris Peterson, but I I very much remember it now. So that's, I like that. That's that's crafty. That's a good pick. Um, lest we get too far down the the receiver depth here for me to feel like I can score at all. Um, 
I'm I'm gonna go with Jadon Mickens. Ooh, that's a good pick too. Also got, from that 2014 team. Yeah, I got well the 2015 too. Oh, did he? Okay, he was there. He was their top guy. Um, Browning's freshman year. I talked to Jake Browning a couple of years ago for a story, just like riffing on every guy he'd thrown a touchdown to, and he was like, "Yeah, I felt bad for Jadon. He was he was trying to have a big year and get drafted, and I was just trying to complete a pass." <laughs> <laughs> Um, big cat Jadon Mickens had the uh, he had the clinching catch in the, the the upset of USC that year. Oh, he did. Um, he, he had some had some struggles with drops. He wasn't the most explosive guy. He he left school having caught more passes than most other receivers in school history. A lot of them were of the you know the quick sort of bubble screen variety under Sark. But um, you know, I hung around the NFL. He's a guy who's who's persevered, who really really wanted it. Um. And uh, you know, within this offense and and the defense that I'm putting together here, I think uh, I think he's a nice I think he's a nice fit, and I think he's you know kind of sneakily is one of the one of the best receivers they had under Chris Peterson, such as it was. Make a little bit of a strategic move here. I'm going Drew Sample at tight end. You're going to run the ball, huh? I am going to run the ball. Drew Sample, another another. Uh... It, it's it's a deep position, and there's there's a number of choices there at tight end. I think I think Drew Sample was the best college tight end uh, of the guys that took snaps under uh, under Chris Peterson. Yeah, he's second round pick. I mean, yeah. hard to argue with that. But there's um, some good dudes like Will Disley's had a hell of an NFL career. Hunter Bryant was a monster before the knee injury, but injuries kind of complicate his 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 sort of performance just because of how much it set him back. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, I'm gonna take. I'm. I'm gonna also exercise our our uh, our fun rules here. I'm. I'm gonna take Trent McDuffie. Okay. Um, I think it's between him and Byron Murphy for who, like mm-hmm. the the best Jimmy Lake DBs, so to speak. Uh, first round pick. You know, hard to like. That's the thing. All these guys. Marcus Peters was a first round pick. But then Kevin King, Sidney Jones, Buda Baker, Taylor Rapp, Jordan Miller, Elijah Molden, Keith Taylor, all these guys they rolled through there who were really good college players, some of whom are really good NFL players. None of those guys were first-round picks. So yeah, McDuffie it's, kind of established a new ceiling there. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, the NFL tenure that, that guys have put together after, after playing at UW, like, even someone like Miles Bryant, who was undrafted, I mean, he's had a pro career like Miles Bryant. Like it, the number of DBs that went into the NFL from UW and Jimmy Lake secondary is pretty phenomenal. It really is, and it could, could still be a couple more. We'll see. Uh, I'm going to fix the center problem by uh, choosing Luke Wattenberg. There's Luke Wattenberg. All right, steady. Yes. Probably like a higher regarded recruit than actual the the performance that ultimately ended up playing out. But um, but yeah, very very steady performer. He got drafted. Yeah. Hmm. Since we're saying it's it's the best version, the best college version of themselves, and for this guy, that could still very well be ahead of him. But ba- based on what he's done in the past. Uh, it's hard to argue against Zion Tupelo of Fatui's 2020 season. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to grab him for my my edge spot opposite Hauli Kikaha. Um, seven sacks in four games. And, you know, injuries have kind of complicated 2021. And then last year was, was sort of the third, you know, the first guy out behind Braylon Trice still played some and contributed. But, um, you know, I think he would he would hope that, that his prime is 2023. But um, even just taking his, you know, the very best of what he's been in college so far, 2020, I think, gives me a, a pretty dynamic pass rusher. Uh, here's where my team is going to start to take on some of the funky flair to it. We're gonna we're gonna look at the a- actual style of play as well as just guys that I flat out really really liked. Uh, I'm going Kate Otten. We're gonna we're gonna run two tight ends. Kate Otten, as our, okay. As our, as our base set. One yeah, of us needed ends. to go two tight ends. Yes. So I'm going two tight ends. That's a good pick, and you know, um, a weapon in the passing game. Yes. For sure. Like, not to say Drew Sample couldn't have been. It's, that was another interesting thing from that same Jake Browning conversation. He there were a couple of tight ends that when they their names came up, he said, "Yeah, this was another guy. I think we could have thrown it to more, or another guy. I wish we'd have thrown it to more." Um, and, and so, like I, I think there was maybe more potential for those guys as pass catchers. They were all really important in the run game, and what they showed in the run game was enough to get them drafted. So, you know, it's hard to argue that they were like misused or whatever. But that's a good pick. Dangerous, dangerous guy. Um, do I so I I got a decision to make here too on the two tight end thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna at least uh, I'm gonna try to address both by taking Hunter Bryant. Okay. You mentioned the the injuries. Yeah. But his best season was his last season. Mm-hmm. And and he played he did play a full year. Now maybe it was the injuries that kept him from getting drafted and you know having some NFL opportunities. But his his junior year. 52 catches for 825 yards and only three touchdowns. So, you know, maybe they didn't utilize him in the red zone the way that they should have. But uh, he was basically another receiver out there, a little bit undersized for the NFL level. So I I get why maybe the opportunities weren't there combined with the injury history. But uh, for the college game, I think he's a really ideal player. You can line him up wherever you want in the formation and – He's also got some got some weapons around him at receiver to take some heat off. We're going power run game. Levon Coleman. We're gonna put the big butt in the backfield and let him roll. I was certain you were gonna take Richard Newton. Oh really? <laughs> Would make sense. I love Richard Newton. He's coming back, right? Like this will, be, this will this finally be the year that they fully utilize him? Well, got a lot of competition. They just went out and got two guys in the portal, but he is back. I saw that. I saw that. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be a bad selection for me to take Richard Newton because of how much I like him, but I'm going to go with the productivity of LeVon Coleman. Okay, that's a good pick. Um, I'm going to solidify the offensive line and, and take Trey Adams. Um, at his best, at his healthiest, he was uh, a very good left tackle, an all-conference left tackle who some people were talking about potentially as a as a first round pick or an early round pick. So um, probably would have thought he'd gone higher here. I understand why he didn't, but uh, I'll, I'll grab him at, at 29. You think that's a little bit of the same thing with Jake Browning is like when your last year is not your best, it, it kind of eclipses a little bit of how good a player you, you were uh, for, for the breadth of your career. Maybe, but he did come back healthy and, and play yeah. in 2019. 
But yeah, I mean, he was the trajectory he was on. It definitely changed with with the injuries. And maybe maybe I get to and this my background covering the NFL sort of dictates this where I get too tied into where the guy would have gone. But I mean, people his sophomore year were saying very clearly this guy's going to be a, a a first or second round pick. Just the size, the 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 level, the level he was able to play at beginning as a true freshman, um, and then. Some of it is the the injury history, not just keeping him off the field, but sort of playing through it like that just never really, really came to be. And I think by the time he got to the NFL, he was he was really beat up. Yeah, it, too bad. But um, I did enjoy his uh, his duck hunting stories. He was fun. to co- <laughs> He was a fun guy to co- him and Caleb, Caleb McGarry both were fun guys to cover. You know, they they were honest and and passionate about it and. You know, when they were frustrated, they didn't they didn't try to hide their frustration and um, enjoyed uh, enjoyed talking to those guys when they were around. A little bit of a deep cut at outside linebacker. I'm going Corey Littleton. That's a good pick. I he's on my board. Um, what do, what do you like about him over the some of the other options? Because this is the la- this is the last one off the board, so you can you know, there's no more strategy to hide here. So I really. I like what Corey made of of his career. He never really found the dominant role that he 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 really, judging by his NFL career, could have had in college. But he's someone who consistently made plays and made impacts in other parts of the game. And I think as a template, should be a guide for guys on how to have a career at the NFL level, even if your college career doesn't necessarily have the breakout season that you wanted. Corey's a really talented player. And he's made a lot of money in the NFL because he didn't let sort of the inability to find the perfect fit in his college career sort of define him. Um, I, I, I think that's we're getting into sort of my the guys that I've liked most. And that's one of the, the for me, that's the enduring sort of what I think of when 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 his name comes up or when I see him play. I'm going to make a. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to shore up my my secondary here finish off the the corner region of my secondary with a guy who can also be a special team stud for us and i'm going to take kyler gordon to play nickel i like kyler um i feel like as the years go by could maybe end up uh maybe one of the like sort of semi-forgotten really good dbs of that era just because his like breakout okay this guy's definitely a stud season came in 2021 but mm-hmm. uh, second round pick, you know, hard to argue against that. Yeah. Uh, also, I'm, I'm like gonna... maybe the most athletic guy they they had during that time. He was a freak. I remember. Did he? Would he just randomly rip off backflips in the middle of practice? Uh, I. He certainly was capable of that. Yeah. He. Yeah. He could. I think that was what like Will Harris, the DBs coach, had said. Like the when he they first got him on campus, he just. They were just like doing, just kind of standing around, and he just did a backflip, just like standing there. And he was like, "Oh, okay, yeah, that's how it is." Those guys are aliens, man. Like some of the things that football players can do, like whether it's a kip up or like some of the different, you're like, "That's just not the human species that I'm familiar with." Uh, I'm going O line. I'll go Jake Eldren Camp, uh, all uh, Pac-12 first team selection. That's a great pick. I was I had him in mind for. Uh, for that last one, but uh, I was hoping maybe you'd forget about him. <laughs> I took if I took Wattenberg too early, I feel like I'm getting Eldrin Camp too late. 
Yeah, another another underrated guy for I mean, first team all conference, but you think about that twenty sixteen offense and that offensive line and he's maybe not the first name that comes to mind, but he was he was really, really good at guard for them. Um I got a couple of linemen I need to fill out. You still have a, a a spot left there. So I need to make sure you don't snag the next best guy. The question is, who is that? My top five are gone. Mm-hmm. Mm, where's my positional need here? Fortunately, I've got Coleman Shelton. I could play him anywhere. It's true. Can you clone him? I'm going to take Henry Bainivalu. Oh, I like Bainivalu. Um, played under Chris Peterson. Was at his best, I think, this last season mm-hmm. uh, as a sixth-year senior. Another guy who I thought he was done. He was really beat up in 2021, played through injuries. Never missed any time, I don't think. Um, but was, was, was hurt and seemed like a guy who, okay, is he going to come back for his sixth year? Is he just going to call it a career? He came back, didn't do much in the spring. Okay, is this is he going to be healthy? What's the deal with him? And then, man, came out in fall camp. He was the guy at right guard, and that was that. And second team all conference season for him to to finish things up. So, a nice finish to his career, and and uh, he'll he'll fit in well at guard on this team. Uh, I am going to finish off my offensive line as well, and I'll do that by uh, taking Fautanu. Troy Fautanu. Fautanu, sorry. Troy Fautanu, uh, who was was recruited under Peterson, coming back for his final year, but does does you can trace him all the way back and did play in Peterson's final year. He was on the roster in 29. Did he did he get on the field? I don't know if he did. Does he count? He might have redshirted, but he was on the team. He he reported to meetings and practices with Chris Peterson as the head coach. So <laughs> I'll I'll allow it. The news. Uh, I might I might be bending the rules there. We're also drafting offensive linemen, so <laughs> yeah, it's true. Know, uh, so I'll I'll leave my I won't worry about my last O line spot then. Um, are we at the point now where the only guys left are are guys that you can't pick? No, we I each think... need a safety. Oh, okay, I know which safety I want. I'm gonna put a lot of pressure on you there. I'm gonna make. Mm. This is this is tough. What I don't have in in the secondary is size. Mm-hmm. There's three options here, really two. I know how much you like Miles Bryant. I do like Miles Bryant. He was at his best at nickel, but he did play safety his last year. Mm-hmm. And it's it's either him or JoJo McIntosh. I'm gonna. Eh. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with a little bit of enforcement. I'm gonna take JoJo McIntosh. Ah, that's who I wanted. I love JoJo McIntosh. I love Miles Bryant, but I really love JoJo McIntosh. He was. I did uh, not think you were gonna choose him. He's yeah, kind of the the forgotten guy who started Dude, just a ton is, of games. He's such a thumper too. Like there was nobody on that team that hit like him. No, he could he could bring it. There, yeah. There's another guy. He's probably not worth your pick here. There's another guy who could who could really hit. Who who is also a little bit of a little bit of a uh, fall through the cracks guy, memory wise. Huh. I'll try and come up with that. I'm going to start rounding out. Uh, I still need. I still need a corner, and now I also need a safety, and then I need D tackles. I'm going to start doing that. I'll go Greg Gaines. Really, really, really good player. 
and really yes. good player in the NFL. Yeah. The only reason he, he falls so far in this draft is because I you know you didn't need to take him earlier. But there are two top fifteen picks that played that position that uh Christian has built his defense around. Which is, by the way, a phenomenal strategy. Danny Shelton and uh and and Vita Vea. Uh Greg Gaines a Joe Moore or um not Joe Moore, that's that's for group offensive line. The uh what's what am I, the, the the local uh lineman award? I'm unfamiliar. Uh, that KJR hosts it every year. Um, I'm unfamiliar with that. Uh, this is going to drive me nuts. I got to look it up. Supele Malamala? The Morris Trophy. The Morris oh, Trophy. It's, it's for the local. Given to the top lineman in the Pac-12 every year. Oh. He won that his senior year. Now That's you know. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, there you go. I need a receiver. Another O lineman and a couple linebackers. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the honor of the next pick to Keyshawn Bearia. Keyshawn's a pretty good player. One of the one of the reasons why I wasn't super emphasizing linebacker early. Uh, you're right that you got the two best guys, but I do think numbers three and four are are more than adequate uh, for for this exercise. And so Keyshawn Bearia, he'll be one of another guy. You know, he's another media day guy, right? You, he, he was he was kind of the face of of their defense and spoke for the team and um, second team all conference guy, pretty good player. Was there as you know exhausted his eligibility, got drafted, so solid player for them and and a Sarkeesian recruit. Uh, I will take a similar approach at defensive tackle where you clearly got the best two guys in Shelton and Vitavea, but having Greg Gaines and Levi Onzurike. I'm very, very pleased with. I love the way both of those guys played. And I feel we got a little more wiggle. Uh, we might not have the, the size-strength combination of those two, but I, th- I, think that's, I think that's a really good defensive tackle pairing. Did you consider Elijah Qualls at all? I did. He's on there. I like Elijah a ton, too. I think I liked Levi a little bit more. And I don't want to penalize Levi for not playing the COVID year. That's fair. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to take a little bit of a I'm going to deviate a little bit at receiver here. I don't know that I love the options of guys who played more than this guy. If we're talking about talent and them at their best, their college best, I'm going to take Puka Nakua to round out my receiver core here. He was only at Washington for his true freshman year and then the COVID year and he transferred to BYU and um I know he's had trouble staying healthy and all those things. But if we're talking, we're talking raw talent and who is this guy at his college prime, whether it's at Washington or it's at BYU, uh, Puka Nakua playmaker when he's healthy. So I got to take a quarterback. This guy would have gone higher if this was more than just a two man draft, but I'll take Jake Hayner. Going to go uh, with Hayner. Okay. Yeah. I like Hayner. What, what would be the argument for, what, what would be the argument against Hayner? Um, I suppose there isn't a great one other than I, I guess you would say, well, he his best his best college play came against Mountain West competition. Yep. But he carved up UCLA. Yes, he did. And he, he almost had them beat in Oregon. So um, it is, you know, it, it this is the guy we were talking about without naming him at the top when we we're laying out the rules. Um, but I, I you could you could say Jacob Eason. 
didn't have like a terrible year in 2019. He didn't have really a ton of weapons around him. You know, I, so- I think he fell victim to a lot of the same things that Browning did late in his career where like they just didn't have the firepower at receiver. Oh, that's interesting. But I always, there were some I, there were some clear deficiencies in Easton's game as well. He's got such a huge arm. Um, I guess maybe in 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 revisionist history, I do kind of look back to it and say that like I was probably overly harsh on the offensive coordinator at that point because I really chalked up a a ton of that, and that's really Chris Peterson. I mean, it's not. I mean, yeah, Bush Hamden's involved, but it's not. It's not the same, like nothing was happening in that offense that Chris Peterson didn't. I just felt they did so much pre-snap. I felt like he wanted it to be so intricate and so confusing and, and like so precise. Where I was just like, dude, you've got a guy with a cannon arm. Like do some things to get some players in space like, and, 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 let, and let him fling it. And God, it, just watching it, it felt really, really like just hard. Just like everything was hard, they couldn't do anything easy when he was there. Yeah, it, it did. It did feel that way. Um, and yet, like that 2019 team, I feel like was one the advanced metrics all really liked because the games they lost, they were usually right there. You know, it still wasn't. It wasn't this team that just wasn't good enough to win the games that it lost. Yeah. So probably should have beat Oregon at home, and oh, it was a weird year. Difficult year. Uh, I need an O lineman and a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think to round out my O line, and I'm gonna I'm gonna lean on Coleman Shelton's versatility here and move some move some pieces around. But I'm I'm gonna take uh, Jared Hilbers to play right tackle. Interesting. I thought did a, I like that pick? I thought did an admirable job. That's a really good pick. Filling in for. Uh, for Trey Adams when he went down, yeah, um, became you know just became a very solid college tackle in in his own right. So, I'll be honest, I didn't have him on my list, and that's an oversight. That's a really good pick. Yeah, he um, he filled the need for them. Not you know not not the first guy that comes to mind when you think of the Chris Peterson era, but uh, he was he, you know if they didn't have him, they would have really been hurting with with Trey Adams uh, some of his health issues. So, this means that Trey Adams will play left tackle, Hilbers will play right tackle. Nick Harris will play center, and then I'll have uh, I'll have Coleman Shelton play left guard for this team with Bainavalu at right guard. I've always wondered why more offensive lines don't like sort of alter their configuration over the course of a game. It must be it must just be way easier to have them in one spot, right? Yes, and and learning and technique and all of those things. But I've always thought that, like, because you see guys move around more in college, but even in college, you won't have it change the configuration over the course of a game. Like, wouldn't that really screw up a defensive line? And obviously the answer is it would screw up the offensive line more than the defensive line. (laughs) Otherwise, we'd see people do it. But I've always wondered that. Like, defensive linemen move around all the time. But, like, offensive linemen, it's like, no, you're in this spot until we go through a formal process for you applying for a position change. We consider it over a 48-hour period and then decide, yes, this week we're going to move you eight inches to the right, and you'll line up there. Oh, no, Jonathan Ogden's at center. What is this? (laughs) What do we do? (laughs) Or what if Ezekiel Elliott's at center? Did you see that play? Yeah. (laughs) Dude, that's my favorite. 
it's one of my favorite football plays ever. The resulting like, memes were hilarious. God, it's just you could see the linebacker decide like, can I? I could just hit him. Just <laughs> wham. <laughs> Uh, for people that don't know what we're talking about, uh, Dallas Cowboys, their final play, their playoff loss to San Francisco, they ran a stupid formation in which they put all of their linemen out wide, like outside the hash marks, had Zeke Elliott snap the ball to Dak Prescott. There were two guys lined up like over Zeke Elliott. And one of those guys after the snap basically like took a step and then just obliterated Zeke, like knocked him ass over tea kettle. And then Dak threw the ball to a guy who promptly just got drilled. Like it was the, it, it's not possible to get two players hit harder in any play that results in no other contact. Like the only contact on that play that happened were the two Dallas players getting obliterated. Um, all I could think about was what Gary Payton used to say in which they'd go over something in practice. This is when I was covering the Sonics like, we're going to do this. This is an inbounds play. We're going to do it. And Gary, sometimes he would look at it and he'd go, Coach, that shit ain't going to work when the popcorn's popped. <laughs> <laughs> and I always loved it. It was just like, it was cut to the chase. It's like, yeah, this is all fine and well. Like, that's not going to work when it counts. And like, that's what that Dallas Cowboys play was. That's not going to work when the popcorn's popped. Killing Moore's last play call in Dallas. God. <laughs> Don't remember uh, it. I'm taking Sidney Jones. Sydney I love Sidney Jones. Jones. There's a there's a wealth of DBs. I, I I feel I feel the need to to acknowledge Jordan Miller and Keith Taylor and Kevin King. There's a second round draft pick that's not included on in a among the six corners that have been selected, which tells you the depth of talent that was here. Yeah, and I, you know, if we were if we were drafting for maybe like intangibles and stuff, Kevin King would be higher on the board maybe than some of these guys. I know he was a guy that Jake Browning talked about as being really essential as a leader. And you do need those things. Coaches talk about it so much that it becomes cliche and yeah, okay, leadership, blah, blah, blah. But like those things can separate a a really good team from a great team. And I think that was the case. Uh, Certainly no slight on, on Kevin King that he's not picked here. Just, just speaks to how, uh, how talented the, the, the depth that, that DB is. Um, you also need a guy to regulate the truth, which Kevin King clearly does. First of all, it was white boy Wednesday. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Before we go any further with this discussion. you I demand a correction. Um, and yeah, I'm going to take Azeem Victor to, uh, to round out my linebacker core. And a, a, a first-team all-conference linebacker, by the way, in yes. 2016, even though he only played nine games due to injury. It was a brutal, broken. It was a was it a broken leg that he suffered against USC? An ankle, ankle or a leg? Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, air cast and yes. put him on a board and everything. And that he did come back the next year. Um, played us, played some on the edge, and Ben Burkirvan started over him, and um, still wound up getting drafted. It was a sixth round pick, I think. Spent but, a little uh, time in Seattle as well. If we're talking about it, you know, at their college best, um, he was a menace in the in the middle of that defense and an an enforcer i mean he had the size and i remember watching him on kick coverage the year i mean i think it was 2014 in the apple cup he had a couple just blow up plays on kick coverage where you were like okay like their two linebackers are moving on um shaq thompson and john you know john timu another like solid dependable player who won't get picked here but uh you could kind of say like okay if he's if he's the future at linebacker like that's a little bit different of a 
different of, a, of an athlete than what you've you may be used to at, at that position. Really, really good player. I, I loved I loved the way he played, and I remember being very mad early on that Ben Burkhaven appeared to be playing ahead of him, and I didn't understand it. And I think that's a reflection of how talented Ben Burkhaven was, rather than any sort of criticism of of the way Azim Victor played. Um, really, really good player. Who's your I'm safety? Gonna, I'm going to round it out with with Miles Bryant, but I can't find the the safety that I think you're talking about. Yeah, um, junior college guy. So he was only there two years, but uh, Zeke Turner. Yeah, or actually three, maybe three years. Maybe he was yeah. one who redshirted at NJC, but uh, he was kind of like a, their sixth guy. Yeah, yeah, really good player. Undrafted yeah. free agent. Um, did he did he make a Pro Bowl as a special teams alternate? It's possible. Um, kind of a kind of a hybrid linebacker type in the in the league, I think. Undrafted free agent, um, played for Arizona. Uh, I'm going to stick with Miles Bryant because of how much I love him. Um, yeah, I mean and, he was the better have, he was the better college player for sure. And I'll have a little bit, but it's I, it kind of gives me a funky backfield where I've got I've got Taylor Rapp and basically four corners, uh, two of whom are nickels in uh, Elijah Molden and and Miles Bryant. But I kind of like my goofy defense. You could play Molden at safety too. Yeah. Yeah, you could. He's the. I mean, um, he was he was kind of made to play nickel, though. Yes, he was. He is your ideal nickel. I love Elijah Molden. Uh, right. I'll just. I'm just going to be mad at you for picking JoJo McIntosh because that was <laughs> like honest to God. If there was one player that I wanted coming into it, uh, it was probably JoJo McIntosh, and I just didn't think you were going to take him. Yeah, I, I'm a. I'm, 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 a, I'm a JoJo McIntosh appreciator. <laughs> so these are the results. We'll go with the the offenses. The offenses first. Danny's offense. Jake Hayner, LaVon Coleman, John Ross, Kaysen Williams, Kate Otten, Drew Sample, and then the offensive line, and you'll have to sort out which position these guys are going to play. But Caleb McGarry, Jackson Kirkland, Luke Wattenberg, Jake Eldrenkamp, and Troy Fawitano. Actually, you drafted pretty directly to, to position there. Yeah. So. yeah, I think they work. Yeah, no, no uh, flexibility needed. Uh, my offense, Jake Browning, Miles Gaskin, Dante Pettis, Jadon Mickens, Puka Nakua, Hunter Bryant, Trey Adams, Coleman Shelton, Nick Harris, Henry Bainavalu, and Jared Hilbers. It's hard to say that my offense is bigger when you've got Trey Adams, Bainavalu, um, some of the size that you got. But I do feel, I do feel like, especially with Kaysen as my, my number two wideout, I got, I got some strength uh, on my offense, you got some dudes, um, and you've got the 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 more productive one of the best running backs in Husky history. There, clear edge there. The defenses, Danny has Joe Tryon, Shoyinka, and Corey Littleton as his edge rushers. Greg Gaines and Levi Onzerike in the middle. Shaq Thompson and Ben Burkirvan at linebacker. Marcus Peters and Sidney Jones at corner. Elijah Molden at nickel. Taylor Rapp and Miles Bryant at safety. I've got Hauli Kikaha and Zion Tupuola Fatui on the edge, Vita Vea and Danny Shelton on the interior, Keyshawn Bieria and Azim Victor at linebacker, Byron Murphy and Trent McDuffie at the corners, Kyler Gordon at nickel, and Buda Baker and JoJo McIntosh at safety. I think I give it to your defense. I like your defense's makeup more. It's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to get around Vita Vea and Danny Shelton. 
It's a really, really impressive. But then I like the edge rushers, your edges with ZTF and Kakaha. Um, I, I really like how that looks. And while I like my middle linebackers better, I don't think there's any issue of having Azeem Victor and Keyshawn Bieri in the middle of a defense. Um, and it's hard to go wrong with the defensive backs that are available. But I, yeah, I think I'd go with your defense. I think I like the way your defense is made up. You can do some things uh, athletically with your front six that maybe I can't because Corey Littleton can move over and play in the mm-hmm. middle. Um, Onzerike maybe is a little more versatile moving along. You know, you can you can line him up in different spots and you could bring Shaq Thompson off the edge, use him in a number of different ways. And then, you know, like, look, there's 10 secondary spots between two guys, like... You know, for it's what the, for, for what this era was like, you're gonna you're you're gonna both have pretty talented secondaries. That level of talent is wild, isn't it? Crazy to look at that. It kind of like it's cr- it, it, it's nuts to look at the secondary talent that's been at that program in that window of time. And with the exception, really, of uh, Trent McDuffie, those guys' entire careers were contained within the Chris Peterson era. Like we didn't even mm-hmm. really need to use the sort of flexibility of oh they just they just had to have like played for him a little bit we did with marcus peters maybe (laughs) well he was there eight games he was there (laughs) uh who's the who's the best player not drafted kevin king Uh, yeah i think kevin king probably um elijah qualls elijah qualls is a pretty good guy elijah qualls is first team all conference player Uh, how about and we don't really know this yet but Latuli Hasanoa? Yeah, thought about him. Um, the four who we picked were all first-team, all-conference guys. Correct. Uh, Savan Ahmed, mm-hmm. crossed my mind, 1,000-yard rusher. Ahmed probably had the more productive college career than than Coleman. I just like the way Coleman ran for this. For my, I, I wanted him to, to run people over. I wanted the bowling ball, but... Uh, no Will Disley? yeah. Which makes sense, yeah. I, you know. I, I thought he was. He's he, better pro. His his maybe a better his pro, pro. His his pro career has been better than his college career, and that's not to say that he was like wasn't a good college player, but he wasn't utilized in the same way. He didn't get chances to catch the ball, which he very clearly is capable of doing. The um, other options at quarterback: Jacob Eason, Siler Miles, mm-hmm. Troy Williams. Oh yeah, you know I forgot. I didn't put starter. Troy Williams. Yeah, he went to Utah after UW, right? He did, yeah. Uh, anyway, it wasn't like great, but he, yeah, they were a good team, and you know, it, he clearly he was a quarterback talented enough to win games with in the Pac-12. Yeah, um, Dwayne Washington, a running back who got drafted. Uh, Marvin Aaron Hall. Fuller? I was yeah. gonna put Aaron Fuller on there. Aaron Fuller put up a lot. You know, caught a lot of passes. Mm-hmm. Um, Terrell Bynum, Chico McClatcher. I love Chico. Chico was one where, yeah, the injuries kind of. That was that was an injury they changed kind of the course of his career for sure. Uh, we said Disley, Darrell Daniels, mm-hmm. Josh Perkins, Jack Westover, and Devin Culp. Jack Westover, yeah. I love Jack Westover. You remember the analysis of Jack Westover's mouthpiece this year? <laughs> yeah, that it's was one fun. of the single best moments from any telecast. It was a yeah, that was a highlight of the season. Really. <laughs> it was really good. Uh. As long as we're remembering, guys. Uh, James Atoy, Micah Hatchie on the offensive line. You do a very good job with shout-outs, Christian. 
Travis leave Feeney. No, leave no husky behind. Travis Feeney. He was an intern at the at, at seven ten a.m. Yeah, good guy. He was drafted. Great dude. Uh, Ryan Bowman. Joe Math. So Joe Mathis was one. If oh, you're yeah. talking about yeah. the prime, talking about the peak, he for those first six games of 2016 before he got hurt, he was really good. Yeah. But it you know gets a little bit overshadowed. He, he's a. Uh, uh, having a nice career playing football in Japan. Good for him. Yeah. Um, we're going long here, so I, I won't. I won't remember the rest of the guys. But this is fun. Yeah. Maybe I'll post this somewhere. People can vote. Yeah. Who do you think the best football player? Like not not but like best football player out of all the guys that we just named. Who's the best football player? College. Yeah. Shaq Thompson. Yeah. I mean it. It's Shaq and Vita, I think, are the two. Those would be the two. Nobody can. I mean, like it's it's so hard. Shaq can't do what Vita does, mm-hmm. but there's like no other players can do what what Shaq did. Yep. So it's yeah, just, it's kind of, and it's it's hard to it's hard to parse between the two of them because I was like, I think they're at about the same level at their position, like their respective positions, and any difference in salary and draft position reflects the value of the position and not the competency of the player. Like I. I I re- I really think it's those two. You start with a player of Vita Vea's build and athleticism, and like that's you're you're down to such a narrow portion of the population who can even who who even measures out that way, right? Yeah. So like you're you're starting at a point where very 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 few people could even be in the discussion. Whereas yeah. there's a lot of guys built like Shaq, but what he could do on a football field was really special nobody like running at this the combination of size and speed that he has is next level like that's yes and then the ability what that what he's able to do with that on the football field i think you're exactly right there's a lot of people that that meet his his specs in terms of height and 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 weight but people who are able to move like him and use it like he does is like it's just it's just a rarity where like vita vea is like there's just nobody that's built like that. And then he's able to move too. Yeah. So that, those, those are probably the, the top two. Um, I'm still fine taking Gaskin number one though. <laughs> okay. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. I liked it. Uh, we're pushing 90 minutes here, but what the hell it's February. You don't have anything else going on. Plus we got, we got our first paycheck. Thanks to Aaron co. Remember to call him. Goosehead insurance agency. Call him, call him today. Duck's bad. Goose good. Call him today and enjoy the rest of your week. We'll uh, we'll talk to you next week.